Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Friday, September 15th, 2023. This is another edition of Football Today. You know that man, Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants. I am Chris Rose, producer Mikey along for the ride as well, as we have now arrived safely at the Friday before week two. We had a game last night in Philadelphia that we'll break down. But did you know, Bobby, I don't know if you're a math whiz or not, but after Monday night's games, everyone will have played almost 12% of their schedule. I did not know that. I feel like with 17 games, they would have been like, actually, you know what? That makes sense. Never mind. Let me not argue with that. Well, it's not an argument. I mean, it's it's like 11.7 or something like that. But, I mean, everybody goes, oh, it's so early. It's so early, which it is. But, you know, you're like, oh, okay. Like, we got to get going here in one direction or another. Yeah, that's why, like, you know, like from a Giants point of view, we're 0-1. And it's like, luckily we have the Cardinals this week. But it's like, Mm -hmm. that's a this is a must win, especially with the schedule they have. Well, let's start off with Thursday night. Uh, weird first half. It was sloppy. It was ugly. There wasn't much tempo to it. And then the second half got a little bit better. Uh, Philly improves to 2-0, and 34-28 winners over the Minnesota Vikings. DeAndre Swift dusts them off as uh, he returns to the city of brotherly love. Of course, he, he grew up there. Uh, ran for 175 yards, a career high. Has he all of a sudden become the second most important offensive weapon on that team behind the quarterback? No, I still think Smith and AJ Brown are more important, and I, I their offensive line is their biggest weapon to me. I mean, they've let a thirteen hundred back a uh, yard back and and uh, Miles Sanders just walk right, and it's not like he got some huge payday where they had like it was he got a six and a half million dollar one year contract from the Panthers. What like so they clearly said, hey, we. We trust this offensive line, and it was just nasty. That was the fourth highest rushing success game since 2002, I saw. Um, and the Vikings, like you mentioned, it kind of goes sloppy at the start, and then the Eagles finally realized, like, okay, if they're going to put three safeties on the field, we're just we're just going to run the ball on you, and that's what they did, just like six, seven yards a pop. Yeah, I mean, we've become so infatuated with being a quarterback-driven league, and we feel like guys just have to throw for all these fantasy numbers that you sometimes – the easiest thing is right in front of your face. I will say this about Swift. I don't understand why Detroit never used him more than they did. This they was hated only, him. Yeah, but I, I don't get it. Like, you know, his first game ever, he drops a touchdown pass. Okay, I get it. But we've moved past that. They still threw him the rock. But what was this, his fourth career 100-yard game or maybe fifth, something like that? It's kind of crazy because he would create big plays for them, but he just kind of would make some mistakes right where he would like bounce when he's not supposed to and stuff and they just they have like a short leash over in Detroit where they just like they really didn't like him um and granted like you know there was a lot of negative plays he made but he also made so so many big plays big plays too for them where like a lot of their best run plays were DeAndre Swift and not David Montgomery but yeah they just they and I'm not saying, like you said, it wasn't just like, oh, they gave him a little less carries. They just stopped using him because they didn't like him. Well, and then Nick Sirianni, he had one carry last week in Foxborough. Like one. 
I get it. You know, they like Kenneth Canewell. They drafted him a couple years ago. They dig him. And Boston Scott is still around. And they signed Rashad Penny to a one-year deal. And when he's been healthy, he's been extremely productive, almost six yards a carry. So I understand all that, but I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something on DeAndre. Well, and Swift has had the benefit of playing behind two of the best run-blocking offensive lines in the NFL with the Lions Mm -hmm. and the Eagles. And the Vikings basically like let them run on. Like I said, they put three safeties on the field, the like essentially the entire game. And then you have the Eagles offensive line. So I could see when, hey, they're playing a good run defense who's gonna stack the box and throw some stuff where Swift can get you in trouble. But like like you said, one carry last week, like even if even if he's not your main guy, he should be used because he creates big plays. like consistently he's shown in the NFL he can create big plays. Uh in my opinion, probably the more interesting story of the two last night was the Minnesota Vikings. We've talked about it ad nauseum, 11 and 0 a season ago in one score games. Now they're 0 and 2 after scoring a late touchdown last night. Um, so is this just a terrible start or the start of a terrible season? I mean, I think it's the start of a terrible season. <sighs> that offense is still really deadly. I think adding Jordan Addison is a nice addition, but they kind of gave up on this season before it started. Like they got, like they didn't need to let Dalvin Cook walk, and we've seen Madison hasn't been good. Um, you know, your Brownies got a lot stronger because of them. Like Zadarius mm-hmm. Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson are two awesome players. Like they may have put Cleveland's defense over the top to be a great defense, and the Vikings let those guys go. You know, uh, Patrick Peterson, who wasn't great for them, but still, like they had a, a vet and a guy who could make some plays out there for them, and. They obviously want to move off Kirk. Like, it's such a weird spot. And then you have Brian Flores, who last night either, you know, rushed six guys or, you know, dropped eight guys in coverage, like no in between. It's just, yeah, I think this is uh, this is the beginning of a bad year. Like, for this Vikings team, to, they can't lose to teams like the Bucks because they're not going to beat teams like the Eagles. But at the end of the day, they could still get to like nine and eight or something. But it's going to be a downgrade right. from last season. Yeah, I I think because if you look at their schedule, it's not overly difficult, right? Next week, they'll host the Chargers, and I'm sure the Chargers will find some way to charger that thing. They're at Carolina, home against the Chiefs. Okay, they're not going to win that one. But at the Bears, who are a complete mess right now, home against the Niners. And then after that, it feels like there's a bunch of games that they're going to be in, right? Packers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Bears, Raiders, all those are... So I think they're going to be in this thing unless Detroit just totally runs away in the division, which I suppose it could. But, you know, there's there's not a lot of history on their side. So we'll see how that goes. And they, they I mean, they were right there with a very good Philly team that just went to the Super Bowl. Um, but again, starting 0-2 and coming back from that is tough. And it, like, it's the Eagles have that offensive line and everything, but if they're going to play defense like that and they don't really have the talent, like teams are going going to be able to run the ball on them, which is going to create and you know, and if you're if you're able to run the ball on them, and then you have Brian Flores who's taking chances, allowing you to create big plays like the Devontae Smith touchdowns. Uh, at least the second one was a little easier. Like I just think teams are going to consistently kind of put some points up on them because they're not that talented and they they allow you to run the ball so easily. Well, you made a good point about. Uh... You know, Zadari Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson moving on to Cleveland, one by a trade, one by a free agency. But it feels like this defense has been a mess ever since Mike Zimmer really had his hands on it. 
Well, and last year was really bad, but it was bad in the exact opposite way, where they sat back on their heels and let yes. everything happen on it. And then they signed Brian Flores, who's the exact opposite type of player or coach, but which is nice, but they don't have the dogs in the on the backfield or anything to really make it work. I mean, you have Danelle Hunter and and that's kind of it. Like Harrison yeah. Smith is is older now and yeah. you know, he's he's pretty. roaming around and <laughs> it's it's uh they're going to be and, – and I think the Philly put some stuff on the table for them. Like Harrison Smith, he was supposed to play deep safety on that Smith touchdown, but they leaked the running back out and like yeah, someone's got to cover the running back and so they threw over the top. So if you have any type of weapon who can win one-on-one on the outside, like those cover zero looks are going to get them in trouble. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see what they do with Justin Jefferson contract-wise. I don't quite understand why they weren't able to get an extension done but having an elite receiver like that on a team that is just so-so is like having a really good closer on a sub-500 team. He's the, I mean, he's the best receiver in football. Oh, uh, he's great. I, I tweeted last night. I'm like, he's on pace for 2,600 yards and, and zero touchdowns. Uh, um, he, I mean, he legitimately is like Tyreek Hill is so good. And still, I can confidently say, no, nah, Justin Jefferson is clearly better. Yeah, I mean, him. he's like on a, on a very easy path to the Hall of Fame. Um, but at the end of the day, they're just he's there's no way it gets out of there unless he went total like forced his way out. Which well, even then I don't know if Minnesota would want to let him go. Yeah, we'll see. Bummer that he uh, had that fumble that went out of the end zone. That that stunk. All what right, do let's you get... think about that? Oh, the, I hate the rule. I've never been a fan of it. I just I don't love the rule, but I also this is where I'm a little probably too online. I hate everyone saying the same thing over and over again about the rule too. Right? But, part of me just feels like you hold it, on, hold on to the ball. Then, yeah. But why do you reward the defense for something? I mean, I guess they did. They force a fumble, kind of. But that doesn't mean you automatically get it every time a fumble comes out of somebody's hands. That doesn't mean you have to recover it. Yeah, that's the job. But part of me likes it because it's like I like choose your, you know, choose your, choose your poison. Are you going to reach out or are you going to play it safe? So you know what it means? I also means, don't love the rule, but I, I either. But I also don't hate it as much as everyone else. But we want to see all these great plays and guys diving in the end zone and all this sort of shit. You know, if we want to try and reward athleticism, let's reward athleticism. Yeah. I mean, it, it only pops up like you know once what if, every How about this? Six if you games. want to do that, move it back to the 20, but the offense retains possession. That way they can be penalized for trying something, but they don't lose possession. Losing possession of the ball is fierce. Oh, especially down there. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. Divisional round playoff rematch in Jacksonville. Champs are coming to town. Which body parts of Kansas City will you be more closely watching? The feet of Juwan Taylor or the hands of the Kansas City receivers? Well, Juwan Taylor revenge game. Shout out. I'm going back to Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, The hands of the Chiefs receivers – because Kelsey looks like he's going to play. You remember he had 14 catches and two touchdowns in that playoff game versus the Jags uh-huh. last year. So not to be like, oh, can, just can you be solid enough with Travis Kelsey in the lineup? Like we talked about last week how they got a little cocky. But, hey, let's see. With Travis Kelsey in the lineup, they you know, obviously he's a huge part of their offense. So when you're in the playoffs and playing a team like the Jags again, are those wide receivers enough to get a win? Well, it was interesting. Kadarius Tony did step to the mic this week and said, listen, this is all on me. You know, it's there's nothing to say. I'm 
I screwed up. I was t- they actually took a drop away. So he went from three drops to two drops, I believe, officially. Not sure how we got to that, but we did get to it. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, we talked about it last Friday, I think it was, about how you said that they, what, overestimated their wide receiver room or something just, like that. Yeah, basically, they were just like cocky that, hey, all we need is Kelsey and we don't need right. to invest in the receiver room too much. Yeah, so I guess the 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 body part we should be watching is Travis Kelsey's knee. Because even if he starts and for whatever reason he can't finish, that is a huge detriment to what, you know, what Kansas City is all about. And even if they lose against a good team, in my opinion, on the road, it's not the end of a season. We're not saying that. But what it might be is the end of home field advantage, which is the one thing that Patrick Mahomes has had throughout his entire career. He's never played a road playoff game. I mean, you could say that Super Bowl 55 really? was on the road. Yeah, he hasn't. He's everything has been at home. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, he's played Super Bowls on the, I suppose, like the Tampa Super Bowl in Tampa, but that was there were twenty five thousand people there. That's not a true road game. Or yeah, it's, it's not like they no. earned the 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 home advantage, anyways. Right. So that's something to keep in mind this weekend. Um, on the other side of the ball, I'm in, I'm interested to see how how much Chris Jones is playing because I think he makes a huge difference on the Jags. Mm-hmm. Offense, man. Trevor Lawrence, who is ascending, right? And you have add Calvin Ridley and stuff. I, I don't think there's a player who is there's such a dichotomy between when he's clean and when he's under pressure. And I even went and looked at some numbers because I've kind of like the eye test has showed it to me. And I went and looked at numbers. Like his numbers when he's clean are the best in the NFL, but when he's under pressure, they're like bottom five of the NFL. So I think for the Chiefs, like having Chris Jones there could make that like literally make the difference of this game if he's ready to roll. If he's kind of slow and they're bringing him back slowly, then I think the Jags probably win this game. I don't think they can afford to bring him back slowly. I think they they need his pressure all over that defensive front. And, um, you know, Nick Bosa played almost 90% of the snaps in the first half. And then the Niners built a big league, and then they yeah. pulled him out. So that's why his snap count was only like half or whatever it was. But in the time where the game was still in contention i suppose he was he was in kenny pickett's face every snap yeah i I truly think he's the if he plays well and the jacks uh center and and guard aren't aren't great i truly think he's the uh sheriff is decent but the other one uh i think he's the difference of do they win or lose like if chris just chris jones play a lot and play well the chiefs win if he doesn't they lose all right, we got another playoff rematch happening in the Queen City. The Bengals did not score a touchdown in their 24-3 loss at Cleveland last week. Are you concerned that Cincinnati will come out sluggish against another divisional foe as they play host to the Baltimore Ravens? No, I No, I, I think they'll be all right. I mean, they went 2-1 and one versus the Ravens last year, like you mentioned, in, in the playoff game. Um, man, and I'm going to give a big shout-out to your Browns. Jim Schwartz and having that front and the stuff he does. I mean, it was like it was the worst Joe Burrow game we've ever seen. Like you can't just blame it on the rain. Um, and then having Garrett and Zadarius on both sides and then Dalvin in the middle. Like that's a that defense is going to be a real deal. Like they they I think they might be a playoff team. Um, my thing with Burrow is because Burrow creates with his legs more than people realize because he's not mm-hmm. a, a runner. Is like how is he? How is that knee feeling? Because you can you can tell last week that when he did try and get out of the pocket, it just wasn't the same. Like, and he was dirting balls and stuff. Um, 
because the Ravens aren't going to throw a bunch at them. Like they kind of they run some of their basic stuff. Um, but I do think the Bengals probably win this game because I think Burrow and or, or Chase and, and Higgins on the outside are going to win their battles where they didn't versus Cleveland. It's interesting, though. So you mentioned that the Bengals went two and one, including a playoff victory at home against Baltimore last year. But he does not have he didn't have good numbers. Burrow threw for an average of 214 yards against him through three touchdowns, one pick. Sacked eight times, which is pretty much on brand for that Cincinnati. I don't care who you're putting up there. It just seems like Burrow's always going to get taken down at some point. Now, here's the thing. The Ravens have an awful lot of injuries through week one, right? We know about J.K. Dobbins. I'm, I mean, Marlon Humphrey isn't ready yet after his uh, you know, preseason surgery. They have some other guys. I think Marcus Williams is out with the, with the pec injury. Yeah, that's a big loss for them. Yeah, so they're they're struggling to even get healthy in there. And the Bengals still have, in my opinion, the best triumvirate of receivers in the league. I thought the Browns secondary did an amazing job against them. And I know that it was wet. I know it was a heavy ball. I understand all that stuff. I haven't checked the forecast for Cincinnati. I'm sure I could right now. I'm sure it'll be fine. I haven't heard anything differently. That it's not gonna be there's not gonna be a rain cloud hanging out over their stadium. So I think most of the Midwest should be fine this weekend. I think they'll be okay. And I think wouldn't surprise me if all four AFC North teams are one and one after this weekend. Yeah, they could look a little sluggish, but like you mentioned, like I think I see them getting 220 yards and a couple touchdowns for Burrow. I just like I said, I just think Chase and, and Higgins are gonna win on the outside this week. And then obviously you have Tyler Boyd, who's like one of the best chain movers in the NFL. Um I'm also interested to see the Ravens with this new offense versus the Bengals and Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator's defense. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, let's 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 see how it looks versus these guys and not the Houston Texans because I think this is going to be a very good, like, measuring stick for how they match up. Yeah, that should be fun. Uh, Lamar's got to be significantly better. I, I watch, you know, I watch every game on Sunday, some more closely than others as we've got, you know, eight games up at once in the early window or whatever it was. And he just looked okay. It didn't any wow moment from him on offense. It didn't need to be because they were playing Houston, which is just every time they had the ball, it, was, it looked like the first time they were ever designing a play. Um, but, yeah, I'm curious. You know, you get Mark Andrews back, another week of Zay Flowers in that offense. I don't know. Yeah, I'm excited to see Zay Flowers versus, versus Cincinnati and, again, a better defense. Um, and, again, you have one of the Bengals who have one of the better rush defenses in the NFL. I really do think this will be a nice measuring stick for the Todd uh, Munkin offense, who, by the way, right. already took uh, exception to an Odell quote. Odell said the receivers were, I think he said they were like an undercooked appetizer the way they yeah. were used in the first game. So, excellent. Let's see how, how that relationship way. continues to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, for God's sakes. Oh, you had him too. Do you, do you hate Odell as a Browns fan? No, I don't hate Odell. I never did. I did. I thought it was really weird how things ended. Like, dad makes a video of how bad your quarterback is. It's just, you know, some people loved it. They were like, oh, finally he gets called out. I get it. But if that's where we're going to go now every time, like. He pouted we, his way out there the entire season. Like, anyways. I mean, should we show a consistent loop of Odell drops? Because there was that tape, too. It just Anyone that was defending that was out of their mind. Um, oh, well, there were plenty of people who were defending it. I didn't. It's not like I'm some huge Baker supporter right now. No, he screwed up a lot of stuff, right. from what I understand. But man, it's just like 
seems so immature. So immature. And people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, that way pops. Way to do it. That's really? Is this where we are? This is exactly where we are. Daddy's got to fight your fights. Come on, please. Uh, only three games have a pair of unbeatens going at it. Three. That's it. Packers at Falcons. Jets at Dallas. Niners at Rams. Which one is most interesting? I think I'm like the rest of the sickos who are interested to see the Jets now with Zach Wilson <laughs> against a Dallas defensive front who is that is relentless. That I mean, it's a relentless front. But also on the opposite side, it's like we saw what the Jets defense did in week one and all of last season. What can they do versus Dallas in this new Mike McCarthy offense? Like they didn't really get test tested to do a whole lot in the week one game. What can they uh you know, what does Sauce Gardner and all these guys do to them up front? Do you really think the Jets defense can keep this close against a team that with Dak at quarterback, when he's been healthy over the last three years, they average 30 points per game when he's under center. But we talked about it last week with Dak is when he plays the really good defenses, it's not as good. And it's it's a 49ers type defense, you know, with Robert Sala. That's uh-huh. a team that Dallas or you know, Dallas has had a lot of struggles with. So I think the Cowboys win, but I think the spread is nine and a half. And that's where that's what I'm interested in. Can Zach Wilson make it? to where they could keep it within seven and not be a disaster because Zach Wilson is going to take a lot of sacks. He's going to take a lot of hits. Does he turn that into three interceptions or not? Because I think that's the big question with Zach Wilson is not, is he good? Is it, can he not be a disaster who ruins everything? Well, not be it. So are you saying that Jets fans can feel good even with a loss this weekend? No, I'm just as I'm just interested to see in this. Uh, because Jets fans have been lying to themselves saying the season's not over. Okay. Um, I'm interested in the game in Atlanta, the Packers and Falcons. We know about Jordan Love, three touchdowns last week, no picks in that huge win in Chicago. I don't think enough people talk about Green Bay's defense. You know, Love is the only one of their last nine first-round picks that came on the offensive side of the football. And did you know all eight of those defensive first-round picks are still on the team. Like, that's a rarity. So they've drafted a lot of capital on that side of the football. I think they're saying, Jordan Love, just don't screw this thing up. You do not have to be Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to be Brett Favre. Be you. We'll see where that takes us. But we think our defense, particularly in this division of transition, can be good enough. And... I don't know how you feel about the Green Bay defense. I like some of the talent over there. Yeah, I'll be interested to see, like, uh, Devontae Wyatt. I I think that's his name, right? The guy out of Georgia. Mm -hmm. He's taken a step. He looked like Uh um, Quay Walker had the interception. Interceptions can be a a misleading stat with linebackers, but he did did have that. Um, So just see how some of those guys grow from year one to year two. But it's kind of... Like you mentioned, it's two one and O teams where one of them is going to be two and O, and neither really, like no one views either of these teams as these big mm-hmm. threats. But um, you know they could be on their way to some playoffs. Falcons because their division so bad. Packers maybe they you know like you mentioned, can Jordan Love be good enough to pull that team? The other thing I'm watching, what the hell is going on with Atlanta's offense? Did you watch it at all last week against Carolina? Oh, I watched it a lot. It was a running game, and then Desmond Ritter not throwing the ball more than two yards down the field besides, like, one Kyle Pitts pass. Okay. He was 15 of 18 in pass attempts. 
nine of nine behind the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. What's going on here? I mean, he is an NFL quarterback, and we're throwing half our passes behind the line of scrimmage. So as someone who's rooting for the Falcons to do well this year and win that division, I think they're a fun team. I'm almost rooting for Ritter to be horrible. Yeah, you wanted Taylor Heineke. Because I want Heineke in there, because I think Heineke is going to make that team better, and I think they the sooner they realize that, the better. Doesn't Arthur Smith tell you everything you need to know when you're throwing half of your pass attempts behind the lot behind the line of scrimmage? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the I would now I didn't love Ritter in the draft, so maybe that fuels some of my like dis dislike for having him in there. But I've, Heineke is a better quarterback than Desmond oh, Ritter, and yeah. like you mentioned, they have all those weapons. Drake London, who you know is a better route runner than people give him credit for, but he's a big body. Kyle Pitts, and they just like you said. Everything was behind the line of the uh, line of scrimmage, and you can do that versus the Panthers. I don't know if you could do that versus Green Bay. Well, I mean, if you are a first round talent and you get drafted there, that's where your career goes to die. Drake London, I don't know if he got a target last week. I know he didn't get a catch. Yeah, no catches. I don't know if he got a target. Kyle Pitts had two catches, which is kind of the mo for that offense with him. Bijan Robinson. He did a nice job, but they get toward the goal line and they're going to hand it to Tyler Algier. Okay, fine. If that's the way you run your offense, he had a really nice rookie year a season ago. They're not the only offense where a guy does all the work getting the ball to the goal line and then some other back takes it in. Whatever. But man, it just feels like they've got so many toys to play with and they don't they keep them on the shelf so that everybody can just look at them and say, oh, look at my prize collection. And Heineke, for better or worse, is gonna do it, right? Oh, like that's yeah. part of his that's part of his MO. Is he's gonna yeah. he's gonna push the ball down the field and take some chances. Um, and you know, he can move around the pocket. So and I, I don't know. I, I'm like I mentioned, I want to see the Falcons win that division and do well. Uh, but I just don't know their ceiling is so low with Ritter in a quarterback. And by the way, last point here. If there's ever a coach that should be playing with house money, it's Arthur Smith. He should be doing some crazy shit. You know why? Because if he gets fired, he just got to go into the trust fund. I mean, his dad was like the CEO of FedEx. So he got all the money in the world. Like, we're good. We're good. So go go run whatever offense you want. Let's not dink and dunk this shit just because you got to hang on to a job, man. Jeez. All right. Uh, always an interesting crowd at the game. And Thursday night in Philly, no exception, as the tailgaters went out and did their thing. Uh, let's take a look at our uh, let's take a look at our buddy here. It's nice to be back with the tailgate friends. It's nice to be back with the tailgate boys again. Mm-hmm. Yep, he, he really fit that helmet on nicely on his coconut. Uh, do you have any good tailgate stories, Bobby Skinner? To be honest, I've only been to a handful, and most of them have been like the Talking Giants tailgates. And credit to our listeners, most of them are pretty normal. Um, <laughs> so I hate, and I have stories, but I just don't have a lot of tailgate stories. Like I've got concert stories or stuff like that, but nothing, nothing crazy. Do you? Good, good concert story, concert tailgate. Well, like I went to a Leonard Skinner concert and got so fucked up and went to the bathroom, and then I heard Skinner start playing, and I just made friends with random people and my friends lost me my phone was dead and just hung out and parted with a bunch of random people i didn't know while my friends didn't know where i was okay that's a good one i like that uh i have not been to many tailgates okay when i went to browns games as a kid 
I was a teenager. I'm not going to any tailgates. Sorry. It just not what I that I, I didn't roll. Then I got into this profession and I've basically worked every Sunday of my life since I graduated from college. So uh, there was one time I went and saw the Browns play up in San Francisco. I flew up there with my brother and uh, with uh, a guy named Bardia Shireas, who is an executive now over at Fox Sports. Executive, I'll throw that in bunny ears. Uh, and we had a great time. We did kind of tied one on. That was kind of fun. But you have to be careful in San Francisco walking through there with any other enemy fatigues on. That's a city. Well, yeah, I mean, didn't they they ban, they banned the the 49ers Raiders preseason game every year cuz right. They were beating the shit. They were almost killing each other every year. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. So I don't have many tailgate stuff. I I suppose I appreciate people. I just I don't have time for like I don't know. I'm, I this could this could get me in some hot water. So I'll stay away from it. I'll stay away from it. I well, don't no, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to get I want to get you in hot water. I want headlines. I want no, awful announcing no Chris Rose. You no, know. no, no, no. There's no, there's nothing bad there. <laughs> it's just, you know, I I don't know. I maybe I haven't been to enough good tailgates to appreciate them. Maybe this is on me. That's the way I look at it. Speaking of which, check, you know, go to the Talking Giants tailgate fifty dollar tickets. Oh, nice. Um yeah, I mean ours have been just like really good vibes for them. Um to where Here's and I, I didn't go to many tailgates. So I, I live in Florida, so basically it was like going to the other way games and you just go to the game, not not actually tailgate. Um, is tailgating is like its own event. You some you you get there and tailgate, and sometimes you forget. Oh yeah, I have to go to an NFL game. I know. Here, it's a very weird like feeling when you're like you know you just felt like you just like a four three four hour tailgate. That's the biggest thing I will do in like a six month period. Mm-hmm. And then I'm time to do that, and then go into an NFL game. It's a, it's a weird feeling. And these people, like in Kansas City or Cleveland or Philly, that line up the nights before, I mean, they treat it like it's a national holiday, and they do it eight or nine times a year at their own stadium. I'm like, y- y'all are better than me. I can't pull that one off. Can't pull it off. Um, I am not here on Monday. I will be calling the Brown Steelers game, uh, for the Cleveland Browns radio network. Oh, nice. Yeah, but I will be missing you. And so somebody will be filling in. So there will still be football today. Don't forget about that. So special shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Mikey, uh, Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants. I'm Chris Rose. They will see you Monday here on Football Today.